Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to, to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. to another edition of the High Low Sports Podcast. I'm DJ joined by Kelsey, and we're looking at week five of the NFL season. Kelsey, what do you want to take away from week five? We'll start on the Thursday night game, the Rams taking on Seattle, and a bit of a, a, bit of a shootout, a bit of a doozy, if you want to call it, 29-30. to 30. Seattle winning after the leg. Greg Zerline misses a field goal at the end for the Rams. What would you take out of this one? First of all, Greg Zerline missing that field goal, shocking. Uh, honestly, absolutely shocking. Perfect from the day up until that point. Misses that field goal. That's that's ridiculous. But honestly, this NFC West is no joke. Minus the Cardinals. I mean, those quote unquote thirteen and three Cardinals are not gonna gonna cut it right now. But uh, honestly, the biggest takeaway from this game: those lime green jerseys are absolutely awful. Seattle, please stop wearing them. Retire them immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Like I like that you went a little bit brighter highlighter this this year. Than, than past years, but okay, it's time. It's time to let them go. Yeah, I'll, they're just awful. I don't know what they're thinking because they have the cool gray colors and they look good with a brighter green. But those ones are just just miserable looking. Yeah, it's a great accent color, but not not for a jersey. Exactly. And what I took away from this is Russell Wilson's probably the best quarterback in the NFC this year. Honestly, looking at it, he's lighting it up. I believe he's at twelve touchdowns, no interceptions. You look at the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFC. You had Dak. He's Dak. Aaron Rodgers does not look like Aaron Rodgers. Eli Manning just got benched. Jimmy Garoppolo's 
we'll talk about them later. Jared Goff's not the same. Like, what, I you think what, your boy Case Keenum is in the top. <laughs> yeah, Colt McCoy is starting for them, so no comment. Cam Newton's injured. I mean, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFC right now when you look at it, and he's an MVP candidate. He might be the front runner depending on how you look at it now. I have him at number two, but he's up there. It's hard to deny him at this point. Absolutely no. I mean, what Russell does, he does well, and that's honestly. I, we've talked about it many times on the podcast before. We hate watching him sit back there, but he does it so well, and he escapes away from it, and he creates plays, and he gets touchdowns for his team. To the end of the day, throwing touchdown passes is all you need to do as a quarterback and win games. Exactly. He puts him in a position to win, and he makes the plays needed to win. He kind of screws his linemen sometimes. He doesn't take – the one thing I've worried about the team is they don't have a short passing offense. It is either run or throw a deep a deep 30-yard option route to Tyler Lockett somehow. Or, yeah. Or uh, – What's this? DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. For some reason, I tried to say Moncrief, and that is not the case. No, no, no. Much better than Moncrief. Exactly. So it's basically like 30-yard option routes or deep posts, deep streaks, or they run it. They don't really have any slants or digs, a whole lot of them, honestly. A little bit of Will Disley here and there, but... And, and you know, honestly, that's another thing. Will Disley was actually really quiet in this game. I say that even though he caught another touchdown pass. But, you know, right now he's in the top five in fantasy tight ends, you know, rolling through the season. That does mean something in the real real world. We're not just making up fantasy numbers for the fun of it. Like, he is actually having a really good season right now. So, you know, we joke that it's, it's all it's all deep routes and then a little bit of Will Disley in there, you know, in the red zone. But it really is that's the way that offense is. That's all they really need. They run it until they have to throw it. And then Russell sometimes gets his offensive lineman in weird spots because he basically drops back. If it's not open immediately, he kind of looks for the holes in the offensive line. Like, okay, I'm going to scramble there and give my guys time and then make it happen. Yeah. But he's as accurate as they come when it comes to passing. He's got a good arm. He's got escapability. He's, he's legit. The Seattle is legit. They're one of those teams. You talked about the NFC West. I honestly look at them. I think they are the best division in the NFC. Whereas I look at the NFC North and I think they're the deepest because they don't have the Cardinals at the bottom, basically. Yeah, pretty much. But I think San Fran and Seattle, they're legit. The Rams are close, but not quite there this year. So, yeah. Anyway, moving forward, we basically mentioned the Rams. They're also still finding their way, but with that firepower, we'll see where they're at in like eight games or so. We'll we'll judge them towards the end of the year. Absolutely. Then next we have New England at Washington. New England rolls them. I mean, not a big surprise there. Nothing. The biggest thing that came out of this is Dwayne Haskins getting uh, loved up on by Michigan alum Tom Brady. That's that's, that's the biggest thing that came out of this game. And then Jay Gruden getting fired, but that's pretty much a. a Day late and a dollar short. It's hey, about time. But I said it last week on the podcast. Will he still have a job after losing to New England? Boy, that aged really, really well, <laughs> considering the fact it was Monday morning at 7 a.m. Or, so, fire, sorry, they made him drive in at 5 a.m. To the, to the facility and then, like, okay, you're fired. Pack your shit and go. Nice little middle finger to round out his stay there. Next Pity week, poor Gruden. Next, we got Jacksonville at Carolina. Minshew Mania is pretty wild there. He almost led a nice little comeback. But what I took out of this game is Christian McCaffrey's the man. He's We're looking at Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes as the top two guys for MVP. C-Mac is right there. He might even be ahead of them, depending on how you look at it. I put the quarterback slightly above him, but he's in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. We talked about it in our rankings. I, I said Christian McCaffrey, I do not want to put him in a top five position as long as Cam Newton is his, is his quarterback. Cam Newton is not his quarterback. He is the number one de facto running back in the league right now. I mean, give the man the ball. Give the man a trophy. Give the man whatever you want to give him right now. He will take it, and he will get you seven yards. 
He will get if you need five, he'll get you seven. If you need seven, he'll score a touchdown somehow. Exactly. If you need him to run for three yards, he'll catch it for thirty. He can do it all. Hell, he could probably throw it if they wanted him to. Absolutely. And the one thing I took away from this game though, DJ Shark. I know I took him as a joke in our fantasy football league. He has had three twenty-five plus point scoring games in fantasy, and I am losing my mind watching him play because he's DJ Shark. He should not be a top-tier receiver at this point in his career. Him and Minshew have a weird connection. He's just like that big, strong, fast guy. Minshew's like, yeah, I'll float it up to him. I'll get it to him where he can get it. And it just works. They just have a weird connection. It was like when Tony Romo came in for Drew Bledsoe. Him and T.O. just kind of clicked where Drew Bledsoe and Terry Glenn at the time just clicked. Sometimes the backup quarterbacks and the not number one arguable receivers just have a click because they practice together all the time. They throw to each other. Absolutely. It's great to see. My fantasy team loves it. Next, we saw the Cardinals take on the Bengals in what was not exactly exciting. Kyler gets his first win, runs one in, not the be- not the most exciting game. I mean, I know it came down to a last-minute field goal, but both teams, good for Kyler to get his first win. The Bengals, they're a mess. Yeah, exactly. Everything you just said, times ten. Pretty much. Like, Moving on. <laughs> Houston absolutely taking it to Atlanta. We've talked about it every week, basically. Atlanta's a mess. They're disappointing. They have not recovered from that Super Bowl hangover. Houston, Deshaun Watson finally has one of those games where it's like, oh, yeah, Deshaun Watson, that guy. Yeah. Because yeah. he's had a few games where it's like, oh, he didn't really throw a touchdown at 13-7, to 13-10, a few of those. But for the first, second time in his whole career, he finished the game without getting sacked. Yeah, which is like shocking, first of all. <laughs> and then second of all, it's like Atlanta, all of that talent, you can't get a sack? My goodness. So I think this is just more about Houston looked good against a team they should beat, and they just rolled him because Atlanta's a mess. Yeah, and, and they to need me, to start cleaning house. Absolutely. And to me, the biggest thing about this you look at the stat sheet for Houston, it's not DeAndre. It's Will Fuller. Will My goodness. freaking Fuller. The man who's really only known for running a fly down the sideline, and you just throw it to him. And you just watch him run. Like, literally, that's what you're used to. And he stepped up when DeAndre was being shut down and double teamed. And he showed out. And he, he showed that he is a legit number two receiver right now. And if, if they can click like this and they get DeAndre working in the fold, I mean, it's going to be impressive. That this is why they traded basically all their draft picks the next few years for Laramie Tunzel, Kenny Stills, and all those guys. For this reason, you got Deshaun slot receiver and that left tackle for the next six, seven years to just keep him alive. Yeah, and actually that Kenny Stills move honestly is a low key move that's been paying off really well. One hundred percent. They're pro- they're ahead of their division because of that trade. Without that trade, they're probably like one and four or something like that, not three and two. Exactly. Next, we have Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Tampa Bay made it a little closer than I thought it would be. They had their moments. Mike Evans was completely locked down by Marshawn Lattimore, and Teddy Bridgewater continues to roll, man. I think yep. a four-touchdown game from him. He's, he's no longer Teddy Bridgewater. He is Teddy Throwsabelt. He is Teddy Beastwater, Teddy Throwsabelt. Whatever you want to call him, he's the man. And if it wasn't Drew Brees that he was basically filling in for, we'd have a, con- we'd have a question, but it's Drew Brees. So. I wonder if Minnesota's regretting letting him go right now. I'll answer that for you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Minnesota, next they took on the Giants, 28-10. to Adam was stealing it this game. He had his Ooh, it has, had his 130 Goodness. yards and his touchdowns. Him and Kirk kind of clicked. Stephon Diggs still didn't really get in the full, but they crushed the Giants 28 to 10. But I'll, I'll give I'll give I'll give him this credit. They didn't just ice out Diggs from the offense. He still ended up with 40 yards, five receptions. Like okay, him and Kirk still got to get on the same page if they're all going to stay. Like they still got to get something going. Yeah, and stop stop making these stupid press conferences at the end of the game here, Stephon Diggs. Like. Don't make me want to drive up to Minnesota and be like, no, sir, you stay. <laughs> or you go somewhere that I want you to go. Exactly. Like my team <laughs> or your team or anywhere but the Patriots. Hey, Dallas will take him right now. Anywhere but the Patriots, basically. If we can get a quarterback with it. He can play quarterback. Yeah, that's true. And 
And the next, this is a pretty good one we'll go over. We got the Bears taking on the Raiders in London. The return of the Khalil Mack against his former team, but I don't think it I think more, I look at this game, the bigger story is Chicago having to leave the country on a basically a short week without your quarterback and take on a Raiders team that's found a little bit of life the last few weeks. They took it to Indy early last week and held on. This week, they just they took it to Oakland early, and they gave it away, but they they were pretty gritty and resilient at the end. Josh Jacobs with that game-winning touchdown. The Bears just, this where they weren't ready for this game. I mean, they weren't ready to go to London without your quarterback. Not really a short week, but it feels like a short week with the travel. You know, these London games, man, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, it's it it's perfect for the teams that aren't doing so well in the season to get back on track. I mean, we look at the Jaguars. They play there every year, and they seem to win more often than not. It's like the team exactly. that shouldn't win tends to win almost. Yeah, and, and Mac was, was pretty – I mean, honestly, he was facing double teams and chips all day long. So They were not letting him wreck the game. John's like, you won't make me look silly. No, yeah. sir. And what, honestly, the most impressive thing, though, the way that the Bears came out in the second half and put it to the Raiders and made it a game again – Allen that Robinson. Was, Allen, yeah, Allen Robinson, man. Chase Daniel with the cojones to just, oh, you know what? Allen Robinson's over there. Allen, Allen, Allen. Go get it. Go get it, please. Get yeah. it. Oh, wow, you got it. Oh, my God, you toe-tapped that. And oh, just, you got crushed, but you held on to it? All right. The, London clap. When Mitch comes back, if he comes back this year towards the end, he needs to kind of take the page out of the back. Okay, I'm passing the ball. When in doubt, find Allen, especially single cover. Absolutely. Moving forward from that, the Eagles crushed the Jets. Not really a surprise. Still no Sam Darnold. The Jets are very, surprisingly, I think this sells a lot for Sam Darnold because when he doesn't play, they're absolute trash, where last year they actually had some pretty good moments when he's healthy. So Yeah, I mean, you definitely, this team just needs Sam Darnold. They need Sam Darnold and one more good draft. Somebody put this man in a bubble when he's not on the field. Basically, yeah, and then get all those defensive players healthy and get one more good draft. No ladies in New York for you, Sam Darnold, especially not the ladies from New Jersey. Oh, don't yeah, Jersey Shore. Nope, we've seen. I've seen too many episodes of that to know where this one. So we're gonna move forward on that no one. No snookies for you. Baltimore Pittsburgh, twenty six to twenty three overtime. Baltimore with the clutch field goal from Justin Tucker after Marlon Humphrey with the iron fist of the law punches the ball loose from Juju Smith Schuster. Honestly, ball, Pittsburgh's just a mess. Hopefully, Mason Rudolph's okay. That hit was terrifying and probably all kinds of illegal technically that they didn't call it. Yeah, you, you know, and we talked about it last week. These headshots, man. They they had to, they were they were one of or two of three last week. This week they were rough, 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 and you missed probably the worst hit I've ever seen in my life. And if anybody's seen the replay and seeing Juju Smith Schuster falling on the ground, like hoping his bro is okay, that's real. Like you never saw Antonio Brown doing that when Big Ben went down. But granted, it's Big Ben. But like honest to God, I do hope Mason Rudolph is okay because that was. Absolutely terrifying. That hit per- in like the perfect knockout spot for talking fights. Like that's where you teach your guys to land their shots is right on that chin jawline area. That was a full helmet coming at you with four four speed to that exact spot. Yeah. So, and it was Earl Thomas too of all guys. So you know it wasn't like he wasn't aiming for that. He was just caught up in the air, and then things happen unfortunately. And Earl doesn't have a history of being a dirty guy, so we we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt based on saying he wasn't trying to kill Mason Rudolph. It's just unfortunate how it played out. Absolutely. But honestly, not bad for an opera singer to actually hit a game-winning field goal, though. Not bad at all. Not bad. And you got to feel for Juju again. Another game where he has the ball at the end and it fumbles. You know Antonio Brown's talking shit somewhere, but... Absolutely. And honestly, that that was a better play by Marlon Humphrey than that was by a bad play by Juju. He just... He... He's got to basically... Hit the ball perfectly. You called it, what, uh, peanut shot? Peanut punch. Peanut punch. There you go. Basically, Juju's got... He's just... 
he fights so hard every play. He's looking to make that play right there. He's trying to win the game right there. But he's like, I'm going to break this tackle and run because that's what he does. He's a big play guy. On those ones, when you're catching your close, you just got to put two hands on it right now, man. Like, yeah. he's a young guy. He's a stud. He'll be fine. I mean, yeah, for that ball not to go in the end zone. Shocking. Like, he's at the inch yard line. How did that ball not follow through and go into the end zone after he punches it? Like, how did that happen? I, it's shocking. They're lucky it didn't go out of bounds, too. Like, it was yeah. right there, and it gets Justin Tucker perfect, like, 30-yard field goal where they recover it, too. I mean, it's just perfect. Yeah, they were able to march down and get that field goal. Easy. And then Buffalo taking on Tennessee. Buffalo proves they're still pretty good. Tennessee proves they're still not very good. Oh, uh, Frank Gore, second ever running back to get 200, or 200 games starting. So yeah. joins Emmett Smith. So keep it up, I guess, Frank Gore. I don't know I don't know what you're eating up there, but not bad for a guy who had two knee surgeries coming out of college. The inconvenient truth, Father Prime. He's like the Dwayne Wade of the NFL right now, basically. He just continues rolling. Next, we got Denver actually beating the Chargers, which kind of shook me. The one thing I took out of this is get rid of Melvin Gordon. As soon as he comes back, he does absolutely nothing. You quit giving Austin Eckler the ball, basically. And he was balling for them. I mean, he was. They just look like trash. Then, like, just trade him away. Pick up a piece. Try kind of like what NBA teams do with the trade deadline. Pick, just flip up your team a little bit. Yeah. Just trade Melvin Gordon. You're not going to bring him back. He's he's damn good, but he's not going to help your team honestly a whole lot. You have a stable of running backs. You need some offensive line help. See if you can do that. Or, honestly, a little bit of secondary help until Derwin James gets back. I mean, I know we have, they have Casey Hayward, King. Like, they just need someone else there. Like, they need another safety or a third corner to fix it, fit in there. On the flip side of this, this is a really good defensive game by Fangio. Which is crazy because Bradley Chubb just disappeared, just got lost for the year, too. And then, what do you know? Yeah, somehow it just works out for him. I, it doesn't make sense, but he just – perfect play call. Honestly, just perfect scheming versus Phillip Rivers, except for covering Austin Eckler in the passing game. Pretty much, yeah, and they were all checkdowns, and they weren't going to beat you with that. So, I mean, anyway, so that game, meh. The other game that's going on at that exact same time that 90% of the rest of us were watching, Green Bay and Dallas going Uh, head-to-head again. The Pretender Bowl. And, unfortunately, for your Cowboys, I think they were not exposed, but I think there was a lot more revealed about them that they didn't want people to see, and most of that being their passing game is Amari Cooper. Well. Through and through. Let's be honest here. If you've been listening to this podcast – for any length of time, you already knew the only passing offense for the Cowboys is Amari Cooper and Wayne Gallup, or Gallup over the top somehow when Dak doesn't overthrow him. But the biggest problem continues to be Dak being inconsistent. Like I'll give him credit that first interception through Amari's probably got to catch that. It was quite a ways behind him. That's a tough catch. But if you're going to miss it, you got to somehow miss it down. Like you Yeah, can't. you – that's a tough one. Like, obviously, Mari's got to catch that, so I'm just going to call that a wash. It's like if a defensive end tips it. That next one he threw, you stare at the guy, the underneath guy's going to pick it off. It had, yeah. Like, that's bad on. And the third, third one, you throw it to the outside shoulder of an inside cutting receiver. What do you do? An inside curl from a tight split. You can't throw it outside. He, it's getting a little interfered with, arguably. There's some contact, but even if he's not touched the way you threw that ball, he's not catching it. And then he had that pick in the end zone that was wiped away by, by a call. Yeah. And then the weird fumble that bounced off of Randall Cobb as he's coming across, that was wiped away by a false start. Like the Even those plays that where the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot, they did even more worse plays that didn't get called is what yeah. I was. It was It was ugly. Um, but honestly, on the flip side of this, the Packers got a gift in Aaron Jones. Honestly, if Aaron, Aaron Jones has 100 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Okay, four rushing touchdowns is amazing, but only 100 yards rushing? We talked about this, like, it was kind of, 
It was weird because deceptive. It, like he just got the ball in really good positions to just score. Because of all those turnovers, they always had the ball like the thirty or the forty. Aaron Rodgers will complete a pass or two. Aaron Jones will run in from the ten. But and then Aaron Jones iced it at the end, minus that one negative twenty yarder or whatever absolutely. it was. Absolutely. And just the Packers are the Packers passing game is non existent without Devontae. Their passing offense is Devontae. Like Aaron Rodgers is still pretty good, but he's not the same dude. Like he's still a yeah. upper level quarterback. Like he's much better than Kirk Cousins, and if you put him on the Bears, they're a prohibitive favorite, all that sort of thing. But he's not that Aaron Rodgers that ran the league for four or yeah. five, whatever years. And ago. and I'll say this though. If you look at his receivers back then and you look at his receivers now, who was he throwing to last night? Valdez Scantling, uh, some dude from South Dakota State. One hundred percent, like some dude from I don't even know where. One hundred percent, and Jimmy Graham. I'm just looking at some of the passes were erratic. The decision making, he just looked uncomfortable. Yeah. He just, and they didn't really adjust the play calling. Like, obviously, it's not all on him, but he takes a little bit because he's Aaron Rodgers. So, like, the passing game in general is just broken in Green Bay. So that's why I don't think they're necessarily a favorite but they're obviously a playoff like they're going to get to the playoffs it's just do they do by division or wild card yeah and it goes to show you with the jimmy graham thing how good new orleans play play calling was for him he has been with two teams and has been what five six seasons now since he's been on the saints five six seasons of pretty much mediocrity exactly and in a game where you're needed you don't show up at all i mean don't get me wrong aaron jones showed up and saved everybody's butts but you take away aaron jones from this game Cowboys roll the, probably. The Packers don't have an offense. It's ugly, yeah. Like, I don't know what they do because it's not like he went to scrubby teams. I mean, I know Seattle, especially when we went there, was not a good passing attack, but Russell Wilson's not trash, obviously. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl. That's true. So, but, I mean, he went to a Super Bowl with the team. It's not like they were that bad. Exactly. I'm just saying, like, you went to a non-passing team, but you were irrelevant. They basically just, you just were along for the ride. And now you're with Aaron Rodgers, and, man. Yeah, I can barely could tell he's on the field the other time. The other tight end made a nice catch along the sideline and toe tapped. I was like, "Look at Jimmy Graham! Oh, that's not even Jimmy Graham!" What? Yeah, like what? What are you guys doing here? And then your Cowboys, their defense is still legit, but they have they are weird when it comes to running back in space. When you have three Pro Bowl level linebackers, yeah, and they just they're good downhill. They're fantastic, but when they have to go sideline to sideline, they're not. Which is weird because they're so athletic. Jalen Smith runs like a four five. Yeah. Leighton looks like a giant bowling ball of death at running four six. Something looked wrong with Leighton yesterday. He didn't pursue anything well yesterday. He got shook a little bit more often. Like, he didn't break down. He kind of lost his footing as well. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Jalen looked like he was literally – actually, no, he didn't look like – he actually was literally chasing everybody who he's either covering in in the passing game or chasing Aaron Jones as he's trotting right by him after juking him. Like, the pass rush, the front four was actually pretty good. DeMarcus Lawrence got in there. They didn't get much for sacks, but they put some pressure on Aaron. They made it hard for him as well. Yeah. Byron Jones, he's pretty good. I think his X factor needs to be revoked after he took that terrible anger angle trying to tackle Aaron Jones oh, gosh. and get got waved at into the end zone. Like he looked like a goalkeeper trying to walk, trying to save a free kick, and he's behind a wall of seven feet tall people. Like he had no idea where Aaron Jones was. Exactly, and it was. I like Byron Jones, but it wasn't his finest performance either. Granted, it's not coverage wise. He was just yeah. fine because he wasn't guarding anybody. But you got to make that tackle when you're trying to get paid in a corner like that. Speaking of corners having a bad game. Anthony Brown. Lots guy. of PIs, lots of in the wrong spot. And then the safeties, not not helping the matter, like not making tackles. Not Jeff really Heath might have been the best defensive back on the field yesterday for the Cowboys. And that hurts me a lot to say. Like, I might lose a leg because I'm saying this. Yeah, probably, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> It's so bad. Like, how is Jeff Heath your best-rated defensive back from the game yesterday? And like, they were really just... missing Tyron Smith on the edges. Like, having yeah. him and Lyle Collins out, like, 
I wish they would have adjusted their play calling, like have guys to chip, because you know those first three, like Travis Frederick, Zach Barton. Okay, you're good. I don't care who the other guard is. Those two will make up for it. Connor it's, Williams isn't terrible. Exactly. It's like with the Colts when you look at Ryan Kelly, Quinn Nelson. That third guy, as long as he's moderately decent, you'll be okay. Yeah. And they just happen to have a pretty good one. The Cowboys with Connor Williams, pretty good one. They should be able to adjust to make it work. He's, get he's, Zeke the ball. Find a way to get Zeke rolling. Get Dak running. Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing. You know, Zeke didn't look good running the ball. It was like it was constant, like three yards. They weren't losing yards, but it was just not. It didn't feel like he was taking over the game. It felt like he was yeah. just part of the game. It's it, those those nose rings are wearing him down. He's got too many of them. Yeah, maybe turn the hair a little bit too. You, you, something, something's happened that he's not as aerodynamic. It's his bowling be. ball affected late in the game is not working. It, it's like a parachute with some with an anvil attached to it. He just yeah. take those out and he's getting you eighteen hundred yards a season. Yep. But respect to Jordy Nelson showing up in a Randall Cobb Kentucky jersey. That was that was a classy move in that on that part. That was clever. You'd have liked to see Randall Cobb get more involved in the offense too. He did drop one, but he was just not a, not a factor really. Absolutely. And then we look now the Sunday night game, the surprise of the season so far, honestly. The Probably Col- the best game of the season. The Colts go wow. into Arrowhead without their entire starting defense and take on the Chiefs, missing fifty percent of their starting offense. And they, it's a close score of nineteen to thirteen, but they took it to them. They beat Kansas City up and down the field. They whooped on them. Yeah. No, minus the first quarter, honestly, this game was in in Indianapolis's hands. Like, the first quarter, if you separate that from the rest of the game and only watch the first quarter, you're like, wow, how'd the Chiefs lose? Well, I, I, maybe but the you, second quarter, because it was 7-0 to zero at the end of the first quarter. 7-3. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. All right. But still, I know what you're getting at. Like, they didn't look – the Chiefs didn't look bad by any means in the first half. They actually looked really good. They just looked like they were slow playing it. And they looked like they just couldn't quite finish. They got to the red zone, but they couldn't quite finish it. Yeah. But you, Travis Kelsey dropping passes that he doesn't normally drop at the beginning of the game either. It felt like those games where they're slow, slow, and then Patrick Mahomes has a 300-yard quarter and it's over. Like, we yeah. were just kind of waiting for that. But Indy was like, no, 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 none of that for you. Yeah, and honestly, the game as a whole, I wish I could talk about the game. The one thing from this whole thing that I just cannot stand and I, the thing that I take away most, Chris freaking Collingsworth – Get off of the mic because you're terrible. I, I just I can't do it anymore. He he's literally has no awareness of what's happening on the field. He has his talking points. You've said it yourself. And he harps and harps and harps. I know how tough of a job that is. I remember once I tried to do like color commentary, but I had a lot less time to prepare than you did. And it's kind of tough sometimes. You're just like, oh, God, what do I say? If, like one second feels like an eternity. But my God, he just... It seems like you kind of said it. He has those talk, but it's like, we know Patrick Mahomes, he's going to roll this defense. When he wasn't rolling, he kept saying, he makes throws no one else can do. Which is true. We know he can throw off those platforms. That touchdown pass was ridiculous. Russell Wilson does it all the time, too, though. Maybe not as elegantly or as Yeah, stuff, no, it doesn't like, look as pretty. Don't get me wrong. And it doesn't have the rocket slinging in the end zone. It kind of floats to the back, and it's like, oh, he's throwing it away. And then the guy magically toe taps, like Tyler Lockett's against the Rams. It's a little different looking. Aaron Rodgers made his whole career of making those passes. Luck did a few of them in his day. Patrick Holmes could do things no one else could do. He's the best quarterback in football, in my opinion. He's the most talented I've ever seen. My God, he's a light-skinned John Elway with a probably a stronger arm, if possible. Yeah. But it wasn't his finest game. They didn't protect him as well. The Colts just said, screw it, we're going to get him. Yeah. And a team that plays zone all the time played man, and it was like, oh, well, that's different. And I don't think they adjusted. Travis Kelsey, they couldn't really get Travis Kelsey going, which was surprising. The Colts don't have linebackers or safeties. They're all injured. It was just a valiant performance by this Colts team that they just kind of – they ran the damn ball, as their hats like to say. Quentin Nelson, Anthony Costanzo, Ryan Kelly, they took over the game. Oh, yeah. Eric Ebron was irrelevant, dropping passes again, unfortunately. And Justin Houston with the 
freaking play of the game. That stop on fourth down, you could tell he was that was his moment. He was excited. And Marlon Mack, he didn't get in the end zone, but they could have played return of the Mack basically all night. He was oh, yeah. and T.Y. Hilton, you just see the difference he makes. He just gives them a guy that's like, okay, we need a bucket, he'll go get he'll be our guy to get a bucket. And talking, the thing, he was he was held pretty in check, but what he does well is he takes a lot of attention. You saw some of the times he got first downs because he got interfered with or grabbed or something. Yeah. Like he is somebody you have to actually guard. Yeah, and exactly. This, and on a cold team where there, there's not a lot of dudes you have to guard. I mean, Paris Campbell was out for the game too. You had Zach Pascal, who's pretty nice. He's a he's a tough, strong player. He's a hardworking guy you want on the team. You don't want him starting at receiver. Deion Kane's a sixth round pick who's playing his fourth career game right now. You don't really want him starting necessarily. Uh, and then you got uh, the the man, the myth, the legend, the phantasmic man himself, Eric Ebron, who is literally a fa- phantom out there. Like, he is not catching anything. He is. This is what we talked about in our tight end rankings. If Andrew Luck is healthy, he's a top five. Without Andrew Luck, he's almost yeah. – he does not look good. I'm he hoping- was my flyer pick, and I, re- I won't say I regret it because I still have hope that Jacoby and, and Ebron will get on the same page and Ebron will learn how to catch again. Hmm. But I've had that hope for his entire career, so we'll see. And shout-out to Jacoby Brissett in that game, too. Like, going into it, he's like, I want to beat them. I don't care about sharing the field with Patty Mahomes. I want to I want to win this game because no one thinks we can. He's a gamer, man. Like, everything they say, like, Dak Prescott, all the intangibles, all that sort of thing. Jacoby has a lot of those same things with, I think, some more natural gifts. He's not as fast 40-yard dash time, but he runs away from people in pads. He throws them first if they touch him. Yeah. He's got a rifle of an arm. He's got to work on that touch, but he can. Yeah. he can zip it in there. He just—he's a gamer, and he—he's just always making plays for him. Like that pick against that he threw to Tyron Matthew, not a good pass at all. Next drive, the rest of the game, he leads him down. That running touchdown after a penalty calls back two touchdowns from Jordan Wilkins. Jacoby runs it in. That fourth and inches rifles it into to Jack Doyle. Even though they call that PI on Ty Hilton, what the official? Yeah, We'll not talk about those officials. That, that was bad. There was some questionable calls. And what's the point of having that rule where you can challenge a penalty if you never overturn it? I mean, like. Yeah. And it was clear clear he didn't even make. Like, literally, Tyron Matthew reaches out and grabs T.Y. How do you how do you call that an offensive P.I.? The rule is within one yard. You can touch him. He's within one yard. And he doesn't touch him on top yeah. of it. Like, but, that yeah. one was just awful. Like, I just. What's the point of challenging? Like you put it in there, that rule is for, to try and stop it after last year's thing, and you take, you don't even change it. It's literally just there as fan service. It's literally the year of the rest continued from last year. I, I hate to say it, but it just keeps going. And it kind of takes away because what the starting point of this whole conversation was is Indy goes in there and takes on the juggernaut that is Kansas City and beats them, redeeming themselves after last year when they were a much better team going in there last year. Yeah. If nothing else, they were healthier. And, and you know, I gotta say this about the going back to the Collins, we're talking about the making the throw, all these throws Patty Mahomes makes. Honestly, the reason he has to make those throws is because, like Jacoby, he doesn't really have a touch pass. His passes, if you look at them, they fly 40 yards downfield, and they're pretty much on a line. I mean, don't get me wrong. He puts some air under some of them because— When he's throwing those bombs to Tyree Kill, yeah. they got some air, but there's like, not— you, a- have to, you have to put a little air under an 80-yard bomb. Like, come on. He doesn't have a whole lot of over-the-linebacker under the safeties. Yeah. Which he hasn't had to, and if it's not wide open, he scrambles, the guy moves. Like, it's not a big deal. We're not trashing him. We're just saying, like... He plays a game of angles, which is what you really need. He's a baseball thing. He's a baseball player playing quarterback. Russell Wilson does a lot of the same thing, just with... He doesn't have the rocket, so he uses a lot more of the touch. Russell Wilson was a second baseman, whereas Patty Mahomes, third and shortstop. He's got that deep deep hole arm. Like, he can throw you out from anywhere on 
on a field, probably. Exactly. Like, he's got it. They, they play the same game, but with different skill sets. It's like yeah. walking the same path with different shoes. Like, Absolutely. And they're, ironically, two of the best quarterbacks this year. Probably and, the two best quarterbacks this year. And that's the thing with me. For I guess I, I talked about this last night watching the game. It's just like watching him throw the ball. I just see baseball. And it's, to me, I'm like, okay, you practice those throws. But we, we were discussing, like, if you're training a quarterback purely from a quarterback standpoint, you never teach a kid to ever throw any of these passes. But a kid from coming from baseball to throwing a football, he's going to be like, oh, I can make that throw running up and sidearm it, like, right through the gap. That's what I do all the time. Exactly, and he's mm-hmm. he's basically blended the two together better than a lot of previous pl- people have done that play Absolutely. ball. So. Well, that's what made John Elway so great. You made that great comparison with John Elway. I mean, that's what made John Elway so great. He was a baseball player. He yeah. got drafted out of Stanford. Like, he could have went to the Yankees. He said he's going to the Yankees if the Colts draft him. So, I yeah. mean, like, so basically the big thing out of this is hopefully Patty Mahomes is okay, too, because, like, his ankle got stepped on. I think he's all right. He limped a little bit, but I, he looked okay. Yeah, yeah. He, the, the reports came out he tweaked it today, um, which, okay. Like so that, be it. That sucks. He'll be okay. They, they'll be all right. And then Travis Kelsey, he'll be okay, too. And basically, I just think that this game was probably going to wake up the Chiefs, but I think it also shows that the Colts are they're going to they're gonna be the weirdest team. They're going to beat some teams that it's like, wow, but then they're going to lose to the Raiders. Well, this is the team that I thought would beat the Chargers. Like, you know, when it comes down to it, this is why I picked them to beat the Chargers in week one is because they have that type of intangibility. Like they're well coached. Like we yeah. talked about the Bills, the Patriots, the Chiefs. The Colts might be right up there as far as well coached teams. And I gotta say this about Jacoby Brissett before we move on. Don't forget that kid was a top five star recruit coming out of high school. He went to Florida. He transferred because he wasn't gonna get PT under that current coaching staff, and honestly, it didn't fit his skill set. So he transferred because of that, and he went and led NC State to wins. He was and the on top only of that, reason NC State got wins. On top of that, that year when he wasn't eligible, you're not allowed to travel with the team, he drove to each one of those games to be there with his team. He drove up and down that East Coast. So they talked about like losing Andrew Luck. That's one of your main leaders. But they also kind of mentioned Jacoby was probably second in command when it came to leadership, honestly. Yeah. He's right up there. So Indy could be a team once they get it to click and once Jacoby gets feeling it. He's got to work on the accuracy, work on reading the defense, staying a little more comfortable. You can see in the pocket sometimes he's a little... A little erratic. little not... Dacky or anything like that, or Russell, where they kind of, if they're when they hit the top of their drop, they're like, oh god, oh god. Yeah, he's a young kid. I mean, it's what do you expect? I mean, he's not a. It reminds me of like a like a Jake Plummer style in the uh, currently with his feet. He's not looking to run, but he's looking to get away from the from guys trying pressure to kill him. Yeah. before pressure gets there. Exactly, he's got a lot of that move to kind of like a young Joe Montana. Even like you're moving to throw the ball by all means. If you have to run, you will run. But it's like. He doesn't want to sit back there, you know what I mean? He wants yeah. to once he hits the top of he knows the ball's supposed to be out, and if it's not there, he's like, okay, the pressure's gonna hit me if I don't move. Yep. Which is he'll get it. I mean, he's twenty four years old at twenty five, whatever. Yeah. This goal seems interesting. Chiefs, they'll bounce back. I'm not worried about them at all, honestly. Yeah. Once they get a little more healthy, they'll start rolling again. I look forward to this matchup again in the playoffs. If I'm they, just I'm calling it today. I think they match up again in the playoffs. If it, if it's snowy and dirty in that playoff game, kinda like it was last year. I think I think the Colts can pull it out. It depends. Do the Chiefs adjust to the run, or we'll see? Because both teams were decimated this game. I mean, the Chiefs lost Chris Jones in the game. Yeah. Tyree kills out. Sammy Watkins can't go. So this was basically the the attrition bowl, more or less. And <laughs> Quentin and Quentin Nelson battle it when just Quentin Nelson. That's all I can say. Like, yeah, Quentin Nelson. Like your only quote unquote counter to him is Chris Jones and his giant self just being a giant block that you can't get around. And even then, Quentin Nelson was beating him to the point early on, too. And then once you take him out, it's like, oh, well, 
There is no resistance here. Well, Quentin Nelson's going to block everybody on the left side of the field, so blitz from the right. And, oh, wait, Braden Smith's over there, and then they put the tight ends over there, and, oh, wait, there's Ryan Kelly in the middle, and this offensive line, I still don't think it's the best in football, but I think it's jumped up, like we talked about as, like, maybe the fourth or fifth coming into the year. I think they jumped to top two. I think a healthy Cowboys and a healthy Eagles maybe hasn't beat. Yeah, that's I think about they, it. Well, maybe not the healthy Cowboys because we haven't really seen them healthy this year for very much, besides against the Powder Puff teams. Way to rub it in, guy. They're still pretty good. I mean, I'm saying basically the Eagles, the Patriots, the Colts, and the Cowboys, top four offensive lines, however you want to move them around. I think the Colts are the best run-blocking offensive line for sure, once they get downhill and going. Absolutely. And then the Monday night game that just concluded – San Francisco absolutely rolls the Browns. San Fran's legit. I'm going to say I called it every single time they win because you and Brendan laughed at me for it. Look. They look like a jacked-up version of the Colts the way they ran the ball all over the Browns. All right. Let me get off my soapbox real fast and let me hold up my sign of apologies. It's all I needed. Now the uh, Niners Kyle win. Shanahan, I take it back. You have done it. John Lynch, I don't get what you did, but you did it. Your defense is a top five defense. Your offense is rolling. You have weapons that I didn't even know existed because, let's be honest, nobody knew who these guys were. I mean, George Kittle's been pretty much AWOL up until this game as far as touchdowns go, and you've still been rolling. So I applaud you. I am sorry. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) And now they will not win another game. If that's the case, then I'm right with my prediction. (laughs) So that kind of does it for the NFL for me. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on so far? Or is it pretty... No, that's honestly, that's that does it. Uh, you know, thankfully the Lions have a bye week. And we talked about this as well, the NFC North. You mentioned how deep they are. How crazy is it to think that the best passing offense in the NFC North... Probably belongs to the Lions. Is the Lions. Like, old aging Matt Stafford. Throwing it to Marvin Jones and... Who else? I guess T.J. Hawkinson's a nice tight end, but like Carryon Johnson's a good receiving weapon. But that's it. Yeah, I mean, I can, they have that Kenny Gall- Galladay. Yeah, Galladay. That's who it was. I couldn't think of his name. But like, and I did say it before in the season. I, I think Kenny Galladay's going to step up, and so far he's proven me right. You did also say the Lions had a pretty good like trio when we talk about Matt Stafford, Carryon Johnson, Hawkinson. Like they've showed up for the most yeah. part too. They've been pretty good. Look, I don't want to toot my own horn right now. But I'm liking the Lions just like you're liking the Niners. I'm liking where the, the Lions are going in the season. If only you would have picked them to, you know, get to the playoffs or something. Look, I, I couldn't go crazy. <laughs> I couldn't go crazy. I just had to go simple. Fair enough. All right, so moving on now, we're going to talk. go to a different form of football, one that, you're, that you uh, like to the, kick the, around the a little bit. The game where you actually play with your feet. The one that should actually be named football, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Or if you want to call it kickball, there's something that makes sense. Just, God, I hate sports names. Anyway, MLS playoffs beginning. Tell us what you you see coming up here. So, you know, coming out of the West, you got LAFC, Los Angeles FC, led by Carlos Vela, who, by the way, won the Golden Ball with setting a record of 34 goals, most ever in an American season. Dude's a stud. He's a Mexican Mexican national. He literally had been shunned from the Mexican national team for, oh, I don't know, 12 years or so because he turned down one thing when he was injured, one invitation to the national team when he was injured back when he was playing in England and well, let's just say Mexico misses him. Hmm. Um, I wish he was an American national team player because I would take him. Uh, in the East, you got New York City FC. Uh, again, they somehow keep winning. I don't get it. Uh, they, they lose David Villa and they still get good. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it helps that Joseph Martinez for Atlanta United got injured late in the season, so they kind of stumbled a little bit. He's back now, though. Uh, Prediction-wise, though, I got to say... 
Coming out of the West, it's too easy to pick LAFC, hmm. so I'm not going to. I'm going to pick the Galaxy, the other LA team, which, by the way, when they beat Minnesota United in the first round, ends up playing LAFC at LAFC in another El Trafico. Oh, good. Another battle of LA, just like future basketball potentially, too. Absolutely. There's just not a lot beyond those two in the in the league that can really keep up with them. And I don't know how the Galaxy do it. They're like the Spurs. They just keep winning in the playoffs. And it doesn't make sense. I mean, honestly, if this game, if this season ended, you know, at, at the end of the regular season, then I never have to worry about the LA Galaxy winning another game. But I think the LA Galaxy pull it out on the West. Um, in the Eastern Conference, though, got to go with my, my, my heart and my soul and my Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United. Uh, they're too deep from top to bottom. Darlington Nagby has shown up in a defensive mid-roll that, to be honest, he's never played in his life. The dude's been an attacker his entire life. Then he got moved to the left side of the midfield, and then he got moved back. It's like the DeMarcus Beasley story all over again, who, by the way, just retired. Bravo to him for a great career. Tim Howard, same thing. But coming out of the East, I got Atlanta. So I got Atlanta versus the Galaxy, and I think... As much as it hurts me to say, I think the Galaxy and Zlatan decide to pull it out because Zlatan is Latin and hmm. he's going to Zlatan all over you. Um, and if anybody doesn't understand what I'm saying, please read his biography. It is I Am Zlatan, and you will understand being Zlatan because like he's great. <laughs> I like it. I'm looking at it a little bit differently as far as the teams I have coming out. Well, obviously, I don't want to pick LAF, LAFC versus NYCFC. That'd be the easy one. Just pick the obvious winners that have buys and all that. I like Seattle from the West. I think they play a pretty good amount of defense, especially considering they score the ball pretty well. I think they have a nice little bit of balance going for them. And then on the East, I do got NYCFC. I mean, you have the top assist guy. I think it's hard to have a both not num- like have both number one seats bounced out, honestly. Yeah. And I think Seattle's good enough to take out both of the LA teams, honestly. They only have to beat one of them, too, because they're at the bottom of the bracket. You just have to get by one. Yeah, that's true. I think they have the easier side of the bracket. Like, I don't think Dallas is a problem for them. No. Portland, I think they're fine with Portland. Salt Lake is good. They're obviously a top, higher-ranked team, but I think they're going to outscore Salt Lake comfortably. I think Salt Lake's yeah. not going to be able to score on them. It'll be a defensive showdown. I think Seattle will get a – basically they'll get one or two goals and it'll be over. Absolutely. And then LAFC, that, that's a dogfight. LAFC, you have the top-scoring guy. I mean, I think they can neutralize Carlos Vela just a little bit, just enough, and then play enough defense, get a couple in there, they'll be good to go. Yeah. And then NYFC – they're they're right there with LAFC. They're the top two teams, hands down. The top assist guy. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say they beat Seattle Sounders. I mean, I want to say Seattle just want to be that guy. Like, yeah, I picked them. I thought they'd win because if they do win, I look like a genius. But I refuse to bet any money on that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the one problem I think I see with that with NYCFC, I don't know what they're gonna do for a home field. Home field. They play on Yankee Stadium, and Yankees are in the playoffs. Like. They will be playing alongside Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge might crack one in there and knock out the goalie. I would be really curious to find out what the MLS and MLB could pull off for that scheduling if they both end up playing at the same. Like, if MLS Cup is held in in Yankee Stadium at that point in time, that could be an interesting one. That that could be real fun. Or do they move it over to Red Bulls Arena maybe? And Ooh, that would be. It'd be like when the Ravens won the Super Bowl and got to open up the next season on the road. Just yeah. a nice little oh f you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy to think. It's 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 a crazy thought. But if if NYCFC does make it to the finals and they're the highest ranked seed, they host MLS Cup. So that would be uh, that'd be interesting. Let's just say. 
And you did mention baseball. I mean, we're in the baseball playoffs right now. The Yankees are up 2 to nothing and a two-game lead over the Twins, and they're rolling right now at the top of the eighth. I mean, it looks like they're going to advance pretty comfortably. Yeah. What do you see going on this playoff so far? Well, I got to say, uh, not a whole lot surprising me, except today in Tampa Bay. Where did this come from, Tampa Bay? 10-4? to four? Or, sorry, 10-3 to three over Houston? Like, Whoa, guys. That was a surprise to see that outburst. I think when you have your back against the wall, Houston's up 2 nothing. They're like, okay, we just don't want to get swept. We don't want to get swept. We don't. And Houston's probably like, uh, let's see. Let's watch the Yankees and the Twins. Oh, shit, we lost. Okay, we'll beat them next time. Now back to watching who we're going to play. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's a five-game series. Uh, so we got a couple game fives already, um, both in the NL, surprisingly enough. Surprise, surprise, the NL. No way. Oh, Lord. So you got Dodgers... We'll be hosting Washington for Game 5, and you got Atlanta hosting St. Louis for Game 5 there. I think the Dodgers are probably going to take that one. It'd be hard-pressed to see the yeah. see Washington going in there and taking out the Dodgers. I'd be It's tough for me to see it. I mean, it's possible, but... I, hey, Max Scherzer versus Clayton, that's a, that's a heck of a matchup. If you're drawing it up on a piece of paper, I, I, I don't know who you pick, but... For me personally, I, I don't I don't want to pick against the two-eyed monster that is Max Scherzer. He's a... Whew, it's a bad man. But then again, I don't like going against lefty Clayton. So. <laughs> you're basically picking you're picking poison. Who's going to score one run first? Yeah. And on the flip side of that, St. Louis. I mean, who do you throw out there if you're St. Louis? And who do you throw out there if you're Atlanta? Like, what do you do? I don't I don't even know here either. Like, I feel like this one's going to be the opposite. It's going to be like, all right, whose pitcher can kind of just get us there and not yeah. give up eight runs because we're going to score seven. I think who, this is going to be the opposite. Who get to the seventh with the, with, that, with the lead intact? Basically, yeah, who's going to score seven runs is what this one feels like. Absolutely. But no, on the, on the AL side, I mean, New York absolutely rolling. It looks like they're about to win tonight and clinch it. Surprise. And then Houston's probably going to take out Tampa Bay in their next game. So we're going to get Houston, the Yankees. Firepower. Which what is exactly what we predicted early on. It's going to be a great series. The firepower is going to be there. I'm still leaning towards Houston. It's hard to pick against them. But like, yeah. if anyone has a chance, it's the loaded Yankees every year. I mean, you, they just always are there, it seems like. Yeah, Houston still is. It, I'm still holding strong with them as well. Um, but I, I still got to say, if Atlanta can pull out this game five against St. Louis. They could be a problem. Like, I think the winner of this game is, quote, unquote, the problem, basically. Yeah. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr., he had that little mishap of not hustling. And let me just tell you, that kid has hustled every single step since, like, it's crazy too because they went ten innings today, and St. Louis wins in the tenth inning, five to four. You got to wonder if that wears on Atlanta. It's like overtime games and extra innings. Losing those wears on you for the next game. Like yeah. they got to bounce back. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um, we'll see Wednesday when it comes in, but I- I'll be honest. I don't. I don't. I don't see. Honestly, don't see St. Louis holding off Atlanta. I think their firepower is just too strong. Dansby Swanson is is literally lighting it up right now, and he's kind of their X factor on offense for Atlanta. If he can roll, Freddie's going to do Freddie. Uh, Acuna and Albies will always be on base if Acuna's not just jacking bombs all day <laughs> long. Uh, to me, Josh Donaldson maybe might be the deciding factor. Does the bringer of rain come in, or <laughs> does the the bringer of his own tears come in? Like, I don't know. Does he make it rain, or is it dry as the Serengeti? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm excited, though. I, I, I just... Looking at the AL, I just think the a- whoever comes out from the Yankees, Houston, I, I I think that's just this is one of those where the AL's winning. This that's basically the real World Series. Is what yeah. it feels like. It feels like neither one of the, none of the NL teams can match up with those two. Yeah, honestly, I feel like this is one of those cases where if we could take the top ten teams from both sides, 
throw them all together and mix and match how we need to. Like that, this might be the case where we do it. All right, Adam Silver, whatever you say. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I, I love ML, MLB playoffs, but sometimes this happens where it's just one side looks clear cut. But then again, it's a seven game series. You never know in the, in the World Series. I feel like baseball playoffs have really hit their best in the Final Four in the World Series because I feel like up until that point, you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. I mean, like we kind of, I don't know if we saw this happening. The only one that was really questionable was St. Louis and Atlanta. And I guess the Dodgers and Washington's pretty good, but I mean, like, yeah, it's a pretty split series out of that. It's it's a lot closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, but we yeah, so the AL's done. We already kind of knew this coming in. The fact that Tampa Bay even won one game is surprising, especially ten to three. I don't, I thought they were going to get swept. Yeah, and uh, hey, if it comes to Wednesday and, and Tampa won Game Four, I then it's who different. knows? Then we're like, oh wait a minute, we look silly now. So yeah, but then again, that's what we're here for. We're here to look silly, so you don't. Yeah, don't ever say that. Yeah, that's not true. I, I love making everybody else look silly. Anyway, anything else you want to take from the diamond real quick, or are you feeling pretty good about this? No, that seems pretty pretty self-explanatory. That <laughs> Houston, I mean, come on. Oh, actually, no. Alex Bregman and J.J. Watt. Have you seen them, the, 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 the videos? Mm-mm. So J.J. Watt celebrates with Alex Bregman's celebration, and Alex Bregman calls J.J. Watt out and says, Hey, come on to a game. I got to say, for, for sports teams in the same city, why does this not happen more? And as I'm saying that, I'm literally th- looking at a, uh, a picture of Julio Jones walking out of Ronald Acuna jer- jersey before the game for Atlanta. So it happens there, too. But I love to see it. I love to see cross-sport friends, like, you know, guys teaming up like that. Joseph does it with the Braves all the time for Atlanta. Like Knows how you invited J.J. Watt, not James Harden or Russell Westbrook. They don't want any of that. Hey, Houston. look, Daryl Morey right now, he's in some hot water. Those, that Rockets team is... They have their own set of issues to deal with. James Harden's basically playing international mediator PCO right now at this point. Yeah, I'm just going to... Honestly, that whole situation, I'm going to just plead the fifth on. I am not commenting one way or the other on because we don't need China boycotting our podcast. I need. I don't want all of their viewers getting mad at us, so we're going to move exactly. on. The other big sporting event that happened this weekend was a good round of fisticuffs down down under in Melbourne. Broke the record for attendance, too. I mean, 57,000 people in attendance. It was a pretty, I don't want to say a weak card because they're all professional athletes. They're all fantastic fighters, but there's not a lot of known fighters until the main event where you had Australia's own Robert Whitaker, New Zealand's favorite son, Israel Adesanya. Probably a battle for one of the best, probably one of the best middleweight title fights we've seen in a while i mean i know yoel and whitaker was a good one not too long ago but this one had a different feel to it this was we talked about elite and the winner of this one quote unquote has next you had the more awkward interesting boxing centric robert whitaker who throws a lot of looping shots moves his head kind of weaves bounces ends it with a kick sometimes versus the kickboxing aficionado the range master the ninja the last style bender Bender, last best style nickname. Bender. Best nickname, by the way, and I think in UFC so far. Israel Adesanya, and Izzy took it to him. I mean, that first round, Whitaker was arguably winning just because he was actually throwing strikes where Izzy was moving. Then at the very end of it, Izzy catches him with a tight, clean shot right on the button and drops him in. If there's two more seconds, that fight's probably over because Whitaker, looked, the way he went down, I think it was a flash knockdown. He woke up, but the way his body came down, it looked like he was out. Oh, yeah. He recovered quickly because he looked good at the top of the next round. But if that fight's still going, he takes a shot, it's over, basically. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he gets his guard up in time to, to protect himself if, if Izzy's able to drop a shot. And credit to Izzy for not for, for deciding to be more sportsmanship-related and just, like, 
pull back when he has a clear opportunity to drop a bomb on the dude. Basically drop a bomb as the round's ending. Like, you could probably slip down and be like, no, no, I didn't hear it. Because a lot of, the, even the commentators are like, oh, I didn't hear the bell ring. Because it gets, when you 57,000 people are yelling, it's kind of loud, I would imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, bravo to Izzy on that. That was... Because he could have done a lot of damage right there, like, for sure. Exactly. And I think if the ref didn't hear the bell, good on the ref for catching the bell, too, honestly. Like, if yeah. he doesn't hear the bell and he lets it take the shot, it could be after the bell. Weird stuff could happen, honestly. Yeah. And then second round, Whitaker comes out. He looks like he's got his senses back. He's throwing his hands. But they get in a firefight. Whitaker and him throw tight left hooks. As he's just a little tighter and lands clean. And they showed a still shot of that left hook landing. And Whitaker's face looks like it fish getting ripped inside out with all the with the bloody nose and the bloody lip like i don't want to say whitaker wasn't ready but he had so much time off i mean he was off for over a year he was coming off 50 minutes with yoel romero's steroid laced self those wars will wear on you yeah and he hasn't and then he had that surgery where he could have died where he basically had internal hernia and internal bleeding in his abdomen he had a lot going on i don't think this was the guy you want to fight coming off such a long layoff too so obviously Izzy's the man undefeated picking his next fight with the winner of the USADA Bowl, Paulo Costa. Robert Whitaker, take a couple months off, get back to training, get back in there, fight one or two more times. You're going to be right back in the picture. Yeah. Hell of a fight by Israel Asan. He controlled the distance. His range was fantastic. His head movement. He had a little mini Anderson Silva Neo movement in there. Like he was. I don't think Riddick really landed more than two or three shots. No, it was honestly, <laughs> you know, it's it's like the old Muhammad Ali float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Uh, is Israel Adesanya absolutely epitomized that he this float, weekend? His head floated and his hands stung. Like oh he, my gosh, it was it was It's really cool to see, uh, just from an athlete standpoint. Like, like how do you move that way while you're getting thrown? Like a huge bomb is being thrown at your head, and you know that that was crazy. And he honestly, the the, the punches that knocked out Whitaker did not look that heavy. But they were just purely solid and just picture perfect. He has the best saying probably I've heard from a fight person ever. He's like, I don't pray and throw, I aim and fire. He's literally a sniper. He sees the spot, he fires it. He took a little bit of a shot during that firefight, but he knew it was a jab, and he knew where Robert Whitaker's chin was. So he tightens the left hook and lands it on the button. Absolute clinic. He's a stud. I can't wait for him and Paulo Costa, because Paulo Costa is the epitome of kind of a meat-headed guy. He's going to charge forward and throw bombs and try and kill you. Let's see how Israel, it's the bull and the matador, literally. Let's see which. Let's see if Izzy can out-matador him, because Paulo Costa, when he fought Uriah Hall, who's a much worse version of Israel, like they have the similar distance style with the versatile striking, Uriah cracked him a few times. It's just Israel's a different beast. If he's cracked you, he's not going to just go ballistic and get out of position. He's just going to keep pop, 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 yeah. pop, pop, pop. He's got 25 minutes in there. I mean, Paulo Costa's got it. It's, it goes both ways. Like He has to deal with Paulo Costa's giant hands for 25 minutes, but... Paula has to try and avoid getting sniped for 25 minutes. Like, that's a good fight. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, if I have to choose between the guy that I just watched Neo somebody <laughs> versus a guy who is a basically juggernaut, like, I'm going to take the Neo over juggernaut any day of the week. It's kind of funny because they have X-Men storylines based off this exact <laughs> thing, speaking of Marvel Stadium. And they couldn't look any more different. You got the tall, skinny Israel on You got the... That does not occur in nature. Paulo Costa looks like an underwear model, basically, with a little bit of natural pharmaceutical enhancements. Natural? Natural pharmaceutical enhancements? Natural. <laughs> but anyway, I'm excited for that fight. But then we got the BMF Bowl coming up, Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. Where I'm going to talk more about that as we get a little bit closer. That's a, 
a weirdly big fight in its own right. It's an odd one because it doesn't mean a whole lot, but God, it's a big fight nonetheless. It's great for fight fans. It's great for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's great for people who the, – the people who go to NASCAR races to watch NASCAR accidents <laughs> are going to love this fight. They're going to love – everyone is going to love it except for the people in the rankings. They're like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, everyone is a rankings pierce or anyone is trying to get that title shot around those guys. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have for the fights. Is there anything else you had to touch on? No, I gotta say though, uh, Marvel actually give Izzy a, a shot at being in his own X Men mo- comic or any Marvel comic. I do think he would make a great X Men. I mean, look, he's he's got that that sort of last style bender to him. Like, I want I want not DC. saying, but I'm saying I want him and DC to both be in a Marvel movie. That's uh, all we need. I don't need Daniel Cormier in anything where he <laughs> talks. First first voice. In history of sports, that is probably just absolutely driven me nuts from the word go. Let the hate flow through you. And then when we look at college football, the only game that really mattered was uh, Florida and Auburn. Unfortunately, the Auburn Tigers, they had their moments, but Florida just... They basically made a young quarterback look young, unfortunately. Yeah, it's the first time all season where a freshman quarterback for Auburn, Bo Nix, actually looked like a freshman. He'd been overachieving all, all season. Honestly, it's... It's actually a great time for it to happen. If I, I, I'm putting my Auburn fan hat on right now. Clearly, it's weighing it down. I mean, we can y- smell you know, it. Look, <laughs> if this was going to happen at any time for Auburn this season, you want it to happen now, and you want it to happen in the way it happened where he showed fight. Against a top 10 teams that are not losing to a yeah. scrub, but you still have the top five teams coming and up. And against either. the top-ranked defense currently on your schedule. Uh, by the way, that includes number one Alabama, Number two, three Georgia, depending on the bowl, you know the standings you're looking at, and number four, five LSU, depending on the standings you're looking at, still left to play them, and that's not including LSU and Florida take on each other next. Well, this upcoming week, which we'll get to, that's going to be a doozy. But that's going to decide a lot for Auburn. But Auburn is the only team in the SEC right now who can literally say, "Yeah, we have one loss, but we control our own destiny." Pretty much, if they win out, which that's a hell of a task, it, they're, in the, they're, in the, it, they're in the playoff if they win out. That's all there is to it. They're yeah. in the playoff if they win out. Just but, look, honestly, though, hats off to Florida. I mean, Kyle Trask, he gets he gets rolled up on in a seriously unfortunate play. Offensive lineman pulls down the defensive lineman right into his knee as he's diving. Like you can't do anything about that. Dan Mullen. I want an apology for, for, for you know, I, I don't, Marlon Davidson is not that guy. He's never been that guy. The fact after the game he goes off to Trask and apologizes, that tells you how much of a guy, good guy Marlon Davidson is. Like, Dan Mullen, I needed a formal apology. If it's not already happened, it needs to happen. Um, he knows better. Dan Mullen knows better. He's not that kind of guy either. Yeah, that was kind of an embarrassing statement. I remember I was watching. I was like, "What are you saying? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, it's not like he don't fit. He didn't Vontez perfect his kneecap. I mean, the dude rolled. And you yeah. weigh three hundred pounds and don't and stop your momentum in midair. Oh yeah, exactly. Like you, you're not touching the ground. You're completely horizontal and you're being pulled down by your jersey. Like, good luck. Exactly. I can tell you from experience. <laughs> good luck. Exactly. You know, honestly, like, but for him to show the fight to come back in and lead his team, you know, to a win. Because it wasn't all smooth selling for Florida. Auburn started to come back, and if it wasn't for Bo Nix looking like a freshman and taking a really, really bad 22-yard sack. Yeah, and that pick in the end zone, too. Those two ones kind of killed them. Those were the two that done did them. Yep. If he just throws it away and he just picks the safe option on the pass in the end zone of just throwing it away again, you live to fight another day. 
Exactly. And honestly, I'm okay with this as an Auburn fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those guys. If you told me before the season, you will be to your bye week and have played Texas A&M, Florida, and Mississippi State, and you're you're going to win two out of the three of them. Okay. This works. I can make yeah, this happen. I'll be 5-1 and one going into the hardest stretch in the country for mm-hmm. anybody. Like, all right, I'll take this. That being said, what I saw from both teams, and it's kind of kind of leading to this next game, is I think LSU takes them both out. Honestly, I know that's I know you hate that because it's a Tiger. I don't rival. think you're wrong though. I th- and what I saw seen from LSU, I think LSU is the team to beat. Obviously, Alabama's the number one ranked team. All that I think LSU matches up with them perfectly. I think they, every time Alabama and LSU have been good and they match up, it's always close. The catch is always LSU has absolutely no quarterback and their offense is usually pretty pedestrian. Yeah, they still have all the DBs to. You can't stop Henry Ruggs, Jerry, Judy, all those guys. But you can match up a little bit. Grant Delpit's a stud in his own right. That guy, it's their one corner. I can't remember his name. I think it's 2 or 24, one of those guys. Probably 24. They seem to love having 24s. Isn't it? I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's a lockdown corner in his own right. And Burrow's a Heisman Trophy candidate. Like, he's throwing touchdowns left and right. Basically, if they if he had, you gave him Odell and Jarvis Landry, like back in that day, if they had Jordan Burrow, they'd be like, oh, this is nice. We're winning a natty. Yeah. Right now he's throwing the good receivers, not great receivers. Instead, like of just, instead of making a natty and never making it across midfield, like they actually win that natty. Exactly. Like He's doing the opposite of Tua, who's throwing to a full slew of first-round picks. Tua's good in his own right. I'm not trashing him, but yeah, Jordan a- Burrow's throwing to whoever is out there and lighting it up. So not yeah. only is he making a case to be drafted, I think he's they're going to make a run for the natty. I think they're going to take it to Florida, and I think they're going to win like 31-17. to 17. Like Florida's going to have their moments. They're obviously really good. Good defense. LSU's gonna start slow, but I think second and third quarter they're gonna they're gonna take it to him. Here's here's my only question about LSU: Can their offensive line stop L, or stop Florida's defensive line? And that is probably the where the battle will not be won, but that's where the battle will start. Absolutely. And to be honest, you were exactly right with everything you said about the Joe Burrow. He is throwing to a bunch of third, fourth, fifth, maybe undrafted guys who will actually move up because of this mm. season, but. He's sold to a bunch of guys that are kind of just two, three-star recruits, not that good. The Louisiana guys, they just love to make a name for themselves in LSU. And uh, he, they match up so well offensively against every other team because you look around SEC teams, the one thing lacking from a lot of them are defensive backs. Defensive back has never really been a big position for SEC except for LSU <laughs> and Florida. Pretty much, yeah. D- if, DBU in Florida. If you're picking, if you're picking defensive backs, those are the two schools you pick from. Exactly. I mean, you don't pick from anywhere else, really. I mean, Auburn's pushed it up lately. Alabama, they got a couple here, and they're usually safeties. You know, and usually those safeties are too big, and they get moved to linebacker. But Mark Barron. Yeah, yeah, you know, Mark Barron, <laughs> exactly. Mika but, Fitzpatrick being the exception, but yeah. Yeah, Mika Fitzpatrick and Marlon Humphrey. They have a few, but anyway. Yeah. Point being, <laughs> that your actual corners, honestly, yeah. You're not going to meet a lot that are going to be guys that will stop Joe Burrow in that passing offense. Exactly. Which, if Florida can take out LSU, I'll retract everything at six. That I think that means Florida's defensive line and defensive back seven is that legit. But I don't see it happening. I think LSU is going to continue rolling. I think they're they're like, okay, we're on a mission to beat Bama. Yeah. Which means if they beat Bama, they could slip up after that. We'll see. But I think I, I look at this game and I look at it for who will be penalized more. For a loss, and this one I think penalizes LSU more if they lose this game 100%. than it does if Florida loses. I know Florida would then, you know, have one loss and then they'd go into Georgia 
with that one loss, they'd have to beat Georgia. But if they beat Georgia, they're in on the East. Exactly. LSU still has to beat Bama. And Auburn. And Auburn. And then the SEC champion just for a sniff if they lose. Exactly. I don't think that's a tough. That's a tough slip. That's a tough for anybody to go through. Alabama doesn't have to go through it as bad because they don't have to play the extra team. And honestly, Alabama, they can lose three games and everyone's going to ride their balls and throw them in there anyway, basically. So. I wasn't going to say that, but you said it for me, so thank you. You are you are truly an Auburn fan at heart, I see. I know I absolutely despise Auburn. That's my point <laughs> for LSU. But. Anyway, I basically look at I'm like, I think LSU-Florida, that's a big game. Whoever wins that game, I think, is de facto the team that Alabama and Georgia are both like, oh, shoot, there's number three possibly coming for us. That's yeah. the one coming for our heads. You know, and honestly, this it's great to see Florida. I, I've been wanting, I've been crying for its SEC East team to come mm. back out of the depths of, I don't know where they were. The swamp. Yeah, the middle of it and like deep, dark oceans. But they finally came back, and it's nice to see a two-team race in the East where it wasn't, it's not just Georgia. Because it's always, it's been just Georgia for so many years. I'm so tired of seeing it. Don't get me wrong. Mm. If it's going to be anybody, it might as well be Georgia, because if I was an Auburn fan, I'm okay with beating up on Georgia twice a year. <laughs> but let's be honest, it hasn't happened that often lately. Basically, I'm kind of hoping this ends up being a rematch in the SEC championship game. I think that'd be great to see Florida and LSU when everyone's talking about Bama Georgia. It's like, oh, well, who saw this coming? Me. Yeah, you picked Auburn. but okay. I know. I pick <laughs> Auburn all day long. <laughs> I, want, I want Auburn-Florida. I actually would love to see an Auburn-Florida rematch. I'd like to see a Bo Nix after running through... The, the the gauntlet he has to run through versus... The Bermuda Triangle of Death, basically. Yeah, versus this Florida team again, and I think that would be interesting to see because, by the way, Derek Brown, we didn't talk about him, but uh, Derek Brown for Heisman much? Yeah. I mean, maybe if he doesn't trip over the 35-yard line... Maybe that's he, thick grass down there. I mean, that's hard to... You got a high knee through that one. Somebody just yelled, hey, you got a muffin down there, and he's like, ooh, where? <laughs> like, I, I feel bad making messing with him, but as a big guy, you, you, it's going to happen. You're going to slip and fall. Uh, I made the joke. I'm like, get that man some O2 and a muffin. But let's be honest, that man would probably do better with a muffin and O2 than anybody else in the world. He's going to get drafted. He, he'll be fine. He'll have plenty of muffins and O2 coming oh, up. In the- man, if he, Hey, uh, by the way, uh, Derek, if you decide to listen to our podcast and you do get drafted and you want to send me a muffin, hit me up. I will send you my address so you can send me an FU muffin. I'm okay with this. Yeah, okay, I'll say it for you, F you, but anyway. I, so. would, I, I think, no, Derek Brown, honestly, he's the only reason for most of that game that they kept, they were in the game. I mean, when the, when Auburn's off, it's just disappeared. Derek Brown's like, I got you guys. <laughs> I'm going to pick this ball off <laughs> after I just recovered a fumble and ran it for 40 yards. I'm going to run this one for 20. Exactly. And then the rest of the, rest of the country, I mean, Iowa and Michigan, the ugliest game Featuring two top-ranked teams. I think the Michigan... The best, best part about the game was Michigan's drumline going upside down. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Michigan basically just kind of proved, hey, we're not completely irrelevant. We're not complete and utter trash. And I was just like, we don't have an offense, really. Yeah. Like, they're both pretty good teams. They're going to get in bowl games, but neither one's a threat to Ohio State. Ohio State looked at like, eh, good one. Look, Ohio State did the, the, the landing on the moon for their band, and that's the only thing I care about from that game because <laughs> who'd they play? I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Michigan State? <laughs> they didn't even play Michigan State, I don't think. like. If they did, it did. Yeah, no, they did play Michigan State. I couldn't even tell. It was they bad, in. though. It was not good. Basically, that Big Ten is going to come down to Wisconsin and Ohio State, basically. Yeah. And Wisconsin still looks legit. Jonathan Taylor's top two in the Heisman right now, arguably. He should be if he's not. 
I mean, I look at Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Taylor, then Tua, then Joe Burrow. Those are that's how I look at it. Nope. Throw Tua out of there. Put Justin Fields in there. You can just ride a J on there. Just ride a J on the trophy. You'll be good to go. Justin Fields is not far out of there. He's probably number five on that list, honestly. <laughs> like I know you wanted. I know you want to have just the J on there already, but look, I just I don't see it from Tua. I'm I look at it. pure numbers is where I, and the team's good. I mean, we both agree he's not. When he comes out next year, he's not one of the top three quarterbacks I'd take. I look at it this way. Any one of those any one of those quarterbacks could go to Alabama and put up twice as good of numbers as what Tua's putting up right now. Not but Jalen Hurts, but... Tua goes to Oklahoma and tries to run that offense, he might be 30th in the country in passing stats and 50th in rushing stats, and Oklahoma might have two losses on the record. We'll disagree there when it comes to Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley can make anybody look a great quarterback. I, don't, I just don't think Tua is that good. I think his system, just like Tom Brady at his advanced age, is perfect for him. It might be, but at the same time, when I look at numbers and how good they are, Tua is still in the conversation. I still think it's going to come down to Jonathan Taylor and Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts is going to load the stat sheet with that, t- with that team. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a god. Jacob Eason's pretty nice, too, with Washington. If they can roll out the rest of the way and he continues to put up big numbers. Justin Fields, of course. I mean, every time in Ohio, there's always an Ohio State player in the mix. It's mandatory. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's when, you have, when you're trying to copyright the, you know, I think you just automatically get thrown in there with Alabama people. You're like, yeah, we're just going to appease them so they shut up. Pretty much, yeah. The arrogance of those Ohio folks. They're not even part of the Midwest, yet they like to claim they are. Uh, Eastern time zone wannabe. They just want everybody to love them. Yeah, I kid. There's I a reason you have a flower as your mascot. I don't even care about Ohio State, but now it just sounds, we just alienated an entire state with this joke. Okay. But okay. I don't want them in our, in our pocket. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, well, that's all I got for today. Kelsey, you have any final words? Anyone else you'd like to you know trash on really quick? Uh, no, actually not trash on. I do want to thank Jill Ellis for her time as U.S. Women's National Team coach. She's moving on. Uh, they just had her thank you, Jill. Um, tour just ended. Honestly, second greatest U.S. Women's National Team coach behind Pia and... It's great to see. Uh, she moved the sport further than I think anybody ever thought she would. Taking over after a great, you don't expect much, but she did everything she could in her power to be great in her own right. And what she did for U.S. women's soccer is is just as outstanding, if not maybe more important than what Pia did at the time. Because at the time, there was no competition. Now there's competition in, in women's soccer, and Jill Ellis just led the U.S. to another World Cup. So it's, it's good to see. Um, congratulations to her, and good luck in the future, because that was it's wonderful. It was a great run. It was fantastic. Absolutely. And then basketball, NBA preseason started. I don't care. I don't care how good Anthony Davis, LeBron, and all them looked. We'll wait till the regular season, then we'll start talking about them. Pixar didn't happen. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we'll start making predictions closer to the season with that, but I'm not taking too much stock in these preseason games. So anyone who's looking for NBA talk, sorry, we'll get to it. Eh, we got, we got another three weeks. That's what I was like. We'll get to it eventually when it's, you know, NBA season. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's all we got tonight for this episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. Tune in with us every week as we break down some of the biggest stories and some of the more unique stories in sports.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.